Okay, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Innovation and Education. This is Kevin Hogan reporting from ISTE Live 2022 in New Orleans. Our musical introduction comes from the legendary New Orleans trumpeter Kermit Ruffins, who welcomed in attendees to the first post-pandemic in-person ISTE event. There are at least 15,000 EdTech geeks here walking the show floors, attending sessions, and more than a few parties. It's just great to be back, and that vibe is reflected in all the conversations and talk I have through this first day. But there's something different going on than there has been in the past 16 years that I've been covering this event. Listen to Richard Collada, CEO of ISTE, describe his intentions of what this year's ISTE is going to be about. Really concerned. We've just gotten, we just beaten the joy out of learning in the last couple of years, and you can't, you can't have effective learning, especially in a year where we need to really, um, you know, make up for, for some kind of tough uh, times. Um, you can't do that if there, if there isn't joy, and so we're really just trying to, we're just trying to, you know, infuse stuff, <laughs> joy, inspire it in every possible way that we can. Hopefully, you saw that. Some of you, if many of you, hopefully, came to our main stage program yesterday and saw that was a key theme, and we'll continue to do that. Another theme, though, that you're going to see today, which is going to be a little bit different, is the idea of civility and bringing civility and uh, uh, um, uh, kindness and understanding into education. We've seen education as a, as a field sort of become more and more divisive over the last year or so than I've ever seen it in, in the you know, many years that I've worked in different roles from you know, White House to state to, to district to uh, university level. Uh, and so we'll be talking a lot about that. It's okay to disagree, right? We're not saying everybody has to agree, but we have to be able to understand that we can disagree about things. In fact, you need to disagree. It's how you learn, right? You learn things when you have ideas that conflict with yours, but, but we have to be able to do that in a way that's, that's kind and civil. We have to model that for kids. So for an event that is usually very technology forward, this year it seems it's more about how the idea of tech can be used to convey empathy for students. That theme was reflected again in the morning keynote by Taryn Southern. She is a storyteller, digital anthropologist, and media consultant who explores the intersection of emerging technology and human potential. An early YouTube content creator, Southern has been a host and correspondent and producer for numerous networks, including Discovery Channel, NBC, MTV, and VH1, and she's produced content and campaigns for brands like Condé Nast, IBM, and Marriott. Have a listen to some of the ideas that she was sharing. This can't go without saying, we, we don't have to look too far to see the potential risks of all of this technology. And it's equally important as we experiment with these technologies and infuse them with creativity that the implications of them are discussed in the classroom. But I believe that experimentation is key to understanding and this young generation of technology adopters will absolutely be the ones guiding us forward. And if we zoom out to the last 200,000 or so years uh, since humans have been in existence, and look at our creative progress over time, you know, it's, it's likely that we will continue to evolve at a very, very rapid pace. I mean, just think about how much we've changed in the past 30 years. We went from bulky TVs to flat screens to VR, big block cell phones to flip phones to smartphones, dial-up modems to ethernet to wireless. I don't think it's that far off to say that in the near future, 
We'll be able to listen to music tailored specifically to our cognitive and emotional needs. We'll be able to put ourselves inside a storyline designed to help us respond better emotionally to our own personal situations. Perhaps even our clothes will be designed to respond to immune system distress to help us sleep and focus better. So the technologies that will be at our disposal for creativity and storytelling will be endless. And they won't just change the game for creativity. So all these ideas surrounding social-emotional learning are nice, but how do they work in the real world in the day-to-day operation of schools? I posed that question to Aperture Education's Chief Executive Officer, Jessica Adamson. Aperture looks at SEL assessment, they call DESA, and that provides data to help schools and out-of-school time organizations better understand students' social and emotional skills and needs. The company has served more than 2 million students and 128,000 educators in over 800 school districts. Here's her response. I think we're going to see a lot more focus on social emotional learning, but I think there's going to be a lot more intentionality about um, being careful about the language that we use, about bringing parents into the conversation. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried about for the next couple of years, with as much money as around, that we're going to see a lot of adoption of programs that don't have evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really good SEL programs and SEL assessments that have for years been establishing their evidence basis, but there's a lot of really new stuff that haven't had the opportunity to do that, or things that are being developed by people that don't have the background to develop and make the claims that they're making. And I worry about the impact of that on schools and the amount of energy that schools put into this when they don't have a lot of energy. We all know teachers are burnout, out, right? So I'm concerned about adopting programs that don't work um, and how that ends up reflecting on social emotional learning programs. I'm also hopeful that in the long run, quality um, and evidence will win out. Right. Uh, and the good news for us, at least, is that we have an assessment that helps you determine if what you're doing is having an impact, right? So right. there's two main use cases for assessing social emotional learning. One is, is what we're doing working? What's the ROI of all of the investments we're making on the social emotional programming, right? Yeah. And then we now, if we do this at a district level, we have that same data set across all of our schools. So when this school's doing Harmony and this school's doing Second Step and this school's made up their own stuff, we can see across which one's working. Yeah. But then the second thing is, is now we know individually what students need, right? So now we have an, a, a lever for equity. We can identify, are the kids learning the skills? And if so, who's not learning them, you know, and, right. and what are those, those skills that they're not learning. So now we have this piece to, to think about SEL in the same way that we're thinking about academics, which is understanding that there's, yeah. you know, 20% or more of the kids are going to need something else. And what is that something else? Listen to John Ray Keel. He's the CEO and Heidi Ray Keel. She's the chief product officer of a company called Ripple Effects and how they address the same issue. Ripple Effects delivers equity-driven digital SEL, mental health and behavioral supports that allow for both universal castle-aligned instruction and trauma-informed lessons personalized to the needs of each learner. Um, yeah, so first, you know, we went through a predict- pandemic and it's about survival. And I, I think social emotional is always going to be around, but it's going to be around with mental health. These are all combined. It's going to be around with behavioral health. 
Uh, and, and so the terms are all going to merge, and that's what we're talking about is the mental health of the learners and students that are there. Okay. Well, mental health concerns were already skyrocketing before the pandemic, so it was going way up already, and then that pushed them to the top. But I think that the thing to remember is kids are coming to the classroom with it just because we've decided it's new normal. Um, the baggage that they come from, the losses that they've experienced, the trauma they've experienced at the home life, how that's gotten way more intense, that's not something that goes away because we decide something's normal. That's in the classroom and it's interfering with them with their instruction because how can you learn when you're distressed about going home or how can you learn when you lost your grandpa or how can you learn when um, all these things are going on and you're full of anxiety so it's not like there's a quick fix this is going to have to be something we have to give kids the skills um, they need to like handle these problems in their life yeah so how do you um, take it from something that's why well, I think before the pandemic was almost kind of extracurricular, like it was something that was an add-on. What it sounds like you're talking about is like baking it into the, the day-to-day yeah, so existence. You, baking in the day, day-to-day existence, what we call operationalized within the school. Um, you know, depending on what your period. But I would also add that these things should be taught through the subjects. It shouldn't be one period, advisory period, where you're working on SEL or mental health supports, but you should be working on those skills through other, in, in social studies, history, language arts, through that example. So there's great examples of people using context mm-hmm. uh, in the academic academic areas to teach these skills. Yeah. And the whole idea of, of you know, look, first we've got to be worried about the mental health, but we also want kids to improve their learning. That's why we're here. <laughs> but you know. they're also, they're not learning if someone has taken over the entire classroom and is disrupting, and they're not learning if they're in a discipline setting instead of the classroom, right? right. They're not learning those things anyway. So right. like you're saying, bake it in, set the standard at the beginning. This is part of who we are now. We have to learn how to get along, and we have to get kids in a regulated state where they can actually learn the stuff we want them to learn. Right, because you can't, you can't learn unless you're in a safe form space. Yeah. Physically and emotionally, right? Any of us can, yeah. right? right? Like if we're feeling anxious or nervous, something, and I'm someone's telling me something, it goes in one ear out the other. Yeah. Like this is part of learning and making sure kids are in a regulated space where their brain and their bodies are ready to learn. Right. And finally, these ideas surrounding social emotional learning and that taking center stage this year on the show and what hopefully will take center stage in schools in general. Is part of the reason uh, behind a bit of news announced by eSchool News this year. The Hero Awards are back to recognize the country's best examples of K-12 successes during the pandemic era school year. We're thrilled to announce the return of these awards. This year's program will showcase the dedicated efforts of education professionals across K-12 departments, including IT, curriculum, instruction, and administration. You know, it's this great education beta test brought on by the pandemic that has resulted in discoveries and innovations across education, from distance learning to closing the digital divide to addressing the need for diversity, equity, and inclusion in schools, and so much more. And it's all really kind of wrapped around this ultimate goal of having students feel safe in order to learn. So I'd like to encourage everyone to participate in this year's Hero Awards so your real-life challenges and successes can be celebrated and shared with the education community. Go up to eschoolnews.com and search for the Hero Awards, and you can get all the details. 
And so that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to go back online and check for further reporting that we'll be doing from the show. And listen for next week where Laura Asione, the editorial director, and I will discuss all the other great takeaways that we have found here back at In Person ISTE. Can't be beat.